Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, not as always, we don't have Ethan Sachs here, ladies and gentlemen. He's still out on paternity leave, but we do have a very special guest for you. Joining me on the line is Alex Nikolic, our teammate on our Lords of Limited team drafts, as well as the host of the podcast Limited Level Ups, which you should be listening to if you're not already, and Twitch streamer extraordinaire. Alex, welcome to Lords of Limited. Hey, how's it going, Ben? It's going well. Excited to be here recording with you. Yeah, I am really excited to talk about some new Phyrexia here. No, it's not called new Phyrexia. That's that's the, the boomer term. The new term, the new set. Phyrexia, all is one. Very excited to talk about this set. Really cool. 100%. Looks like we've got some sweet previews. But before we get into any of that, how have you been? Things are good? Yeah, no, things are great. Uh, I'm... Pretty, you know, it's pretty standard, I guess. Nothing, nothing too exciting has happened since the last time I've been on. When's the last time I was on? I think it was you and me doing Midnight Hunt. I'm pretty sure. Midnight Hunt previews, potentially, even. Yeah, too long. That's how long it's been. It's been a good time. It's been a good time. Did you do any decathloning? Any call time opening? Any of that sort of stuff? I did. So I haven't done call time. I've got some stuff this weekend that I figured just it just wasn't going to work out. But I did get to do the decathlon in the finals. I thought that was a really cool event. So... For those who have not seen it, checked it out, done it themselves, the Decathlon Finals is this weird format called Duplicate Sealed where everybody gets the same sealed pool. And that kind of sounds like kind of lame until you realize that all the cards are like super juiced and it's basically like cube power level. So you've got like Coma and Cityscape Leveler and uh, Titan of Industry, but also there's like a bunch of like, there's an aggro deck you can build. And the idea is like, you kind of it's almost the ultimate cube experience where you can kind of just do whatever you want like you can build the aggro deck you can build the super late game ramp deck uh and i don't know it was a, i've never done it before apparently it's like an old school format that they used to do quite a bit how did you like it i thought it was fine i went 6-0 so i mean i enjoyed I that part of it <laughs> i had two entries and i i forrowed with the green white uh plus one plus one counters list that just lola man and scotty nada had posted to twitter and then i was very short on time so I, I banged out a quick two wins and then conceded my third round to put some good out into the world to get my eight draft tokens so i enjoyed the winning aspect of it but i was coming to it really late in the day which was kind of awkward so it felt like everything had already been solved sort of as far as like there were pretty stock lists floating around that people were running there was that green white counters there was some red white heroic there was the salt eye go over the top of everything and i i really do think that green white deck felt excellent at least super favorite against Sultai and like very good game against everything else yeah that's what I ended up running to and and for those exact reasons I was I actually did the first run I did I was like well I'm gonna build this like four color monstrosity with all the top and all the ramp and I just kept running into people that are doing the exact same thing and I was like you know what I don't want to play this game I don't want to be on this axis let's just see if we can uh, get into some people a little bit yeah, so it was a little close to constructed for my taste. I did like the gameplay of it, like just mm -hmm. knowing your opponent's deck lists and playing around cards. I and mean, I guess constructed players do that all the time, but <laughs> we don't get to do that a ton as limited aficionados. So I enjoyed that aspect of it, but I, I would like to see a larger pool next time I think of it comes back. Yes, I think so too. I think it was just like a normal 75-ish card steel pool. Oh, no, no, it was a bit more than that. It was a little, a little bit larger, but I think that I agree. An even larger card pool would make it so that there's not like, you know, by the end of day one, like two stock decks going around that people are, are uh, just quote unquote net decking. For sure. The other thing that I saw suggested in the Lords of Limited Discord that I really liked was rather than earning multiple entries into it, 
via, you know, how many decathlon tokens you accrued that those could give you losses to give. So that mm. it was more likely yeah. that you'd end up with a top prize because some people, you know, whatever, had their two entries and went 0101 or 1101 and never got the four draft tokens. But if you, if you had losses to give, maybe you can get there a little bit easier. I don't know how you would code that or something, but I also felt awkward. Like after 4-0-ing the first time, I was like, well, do I really want to do this again and play yeah. these two more games <laughs> to get four draft tokens? And I did because I can't leave value on the table. But, <laughs> you know, it was a weird incentive. Yeah, I, I think uh, I agree. There's definitely some small improvements to be made, but I, I share this sentiment with a lot of people I've seen at these decathlon events. Like they're not like the highest level competitive events or anything, but I thought it was cool that I don't know how many events you play, but very much like little diverse pockets of, hey, like we're playing this weird little constructed format that us limited players are cool with, you know, uh, playing for an hour or so. And that's just enough constructed for a lot of us, I think. (laughs) Yeah, the event is fantastic. I got exactly seven tokens. I played some constructed. I mean, the event has got to be a success in that regard if it got me (laughs) to play constructed, you know? Yep, exactly. Uh, So I would love to see more of these come back, maybe like every few months or whatever. It just builds a really awesome sense of community. So yeah, 100% agree. Uh, Had a blast doing it. Completely agree. The the community aspect of people coming together and being like, hey, this is the list I went with and people being like, thanks, your list was awesome. That that was always really cool. I also did not do any called time arena opening this weekend. I am swamped at school trying to get students ready for individual performances. I've got my own audition coming up doing this podcast, got to edit. So no chance for me to do call time sealed. So nothing to report there on my end. But before we get into the meat of our episode, which is going to be talking about Phyrexia all will be one mechanics and card previews so far. We want to do the usual Patreon spiel shout out. So if you're a fan of the podcast, the show is always going to be free. But if you want to support it, please feel free to go to lordsoflimited.com and click on the support tab. There's links to our TCG player affiliate link there as well as the Patreon. And there's a bunch of rewards. First thing you're going to get is a shout out on the podcast if you pledge at any level. And the reward tiers move up from there. And again, show's always going to be free. But if you enjoy what we bring each and every week, feel free to go there if you want to give back to the podcast at all. And speaking of those new Patreon shout outs, we're still going to postpone those one more week until Ethan returns. So we're going to have a mess of new patrons to shout out when Ethan comes back to the show for the Vrexia All Will Be One crash course that's coming up next week. And until then... Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for supporting the show. show is also brought to you by TCG Player, tcgplayer.com, best place for anything and everything you need magic related. Want to shout out the TCG Player subscription for $6.99 a month. You can get free shipping and tracking on all your orders. So it's a no-brainer if you're doing any purchasing from TCG Player, you need to be on their monthly subscription. You also get extra store credit on purchases as well as access to the entire library of CFB Pro articles. You're writing articles for that, Alex. Ethan and I are writing articles. There's a bunch of pros in addition to that. I know I always <laughs> say there's a bunch of pros, but I still don't think of us as pros. I think of I us as just gonna content say creators <laughs> or professional professional content creators, you know. <laughs> but we're not we're not pro tour grinders, as it were. Yeah, but those don't exist, at least for the next few months. Those don't exist anymore. We, we can say we're among uh, the pros of the game, the highest level until the pro tour does come back in a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We also want to shout out Frexia All Will Be One sealed product. It's that time of year. New set release. Maybe you want to get a box to draft with your friends. Maybe you want to pick up some singles for a commander deck if you dabble in constructed as well. So if you're making any purchases related to Magic or Frexia All Will Be One, please go to tcgplayer.com and use our Lords of Limited affiliate link. You can get there by going to lordsoflimited.com slash TCG player or just going to the website, clicking that support tab and then following the link there for the TCG player affiliate link. 
All right, that's going to do it for the advertising. Got that out of the way. <laughs> and I am ready to talk about Phyrexia All Will Be One mechanics. What do we got first up here, Alex? All right, so first up, we've got Toxic. And this is a bit of a spin on a mechanic you might have seen before. So Toxic is a keyword ability found on creatures, on a lot of creatures in the set. And anytime a creature with Toxic deals combat damage to a player, that creature gets a number of poison counters equal to the Toxic value on the creature so of course this is a little bit like infect it's also a little bit like poisonous which is a really deep cut uh for those who play have been playing for a long time it's actually that exact mechanic but instead of a triggered ability you're you just get a poison counter when that creature with toxic deals combat damage if you haven't dealt with uh poison before what this is is a player that gets 10 or more poison counters loses the game so it's actually like kind of a scary thing that the example we have here is paladin of predation which is a seven mana card one of the more expensive ones five gg for a six seven phyrexian knight out on common it says paladin of predation can't be blocked by creatures power two or less and it's got toxic six so that's that's a really really big hit uh ben what's uh what's your first impression a little bit of infects coming back where did you play uh new phyrexia or mirrodin scars of mirrodin first time around I did, and I love that format, the Scars Mirrored and Block. And it was especially interesting, like, navigating whether you were going to try to poison counter your opponent out of the game or not, or be somewhere in the middle of the road. And Toxic kind of solves that problem, as yeah. well as the, the next mechanic coming up that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I don't love Paladin of Predation. I mean, it is a beater, but it's so expensive. Yes, this is this definitely seems like uh, one of the outlier cards. I think there's a lot of cards that are quite a bit cheaper where, you know, I think this is an aggro mechanic when it comes down to it, where your opponent plays a one drop or a two drop with Toxic. And you're like, well, that's that's a lot of pressure. You know, they think the um, th it's kind of funny. This is going a little bit deep on design. But back when uh, Infect came out, Mark Rosewater, I was reading this thing where he was like, we're in this new age of design where we really want people to feel what, what the cards are doing to like, you know, just like really evoke a response. And the response when your opponent plays a creature with infect or toxic is, wow, I, I'm going to die to that thing. I'm really, I'm really, really have to worry because that thing's going to kill me in very few hits. So there's a little bit of, uh, you know, tension there and a little bit of anxiety potentially. It's, it can be a really scary mechanic. For sure. Especially if a toxic six creature comes down, yes. you're going you're gonna to get some <laughs> fear going on. All right, next mechanic up here, we've got Corrupted, which sort of solves that tension I was talking about between whether or not you're actually trying to poison your opponent out of the game or kill them with damage. So Corrupted is a new ability word that highlights abilities that make cards stronger if an opponent has three or more poison counters. Corrupted abilities can be both activated and static, as well as provide additional effects on instants and sorceries as the spell resolves. So you're going to see Corrupted on a lot of different types of cards. And basically, you're going to get a sweet bonus if your opponent has three or more poison counters. So we've got Bone Picker Scourge here, which was Ethan's preview card. What's going on with Bone Picker Scourge? So this is a two and a black, two, two flyer. It's a Phyrexian Imp, and it's got the corrupted ability. It says as long as an opponent has three or more poison counters, Bone Picker Scourge has death touch and lifelink. So if you've got that bonus, that corrupted bonus, where an opponent's got three poison counters, it's a three mana, two, two flyer, with death touch and lifelink that's like pretty appealing but i wonder if lifelink maybe gets a little bit of a a notch down or knock down here in the set where 
your life total, you know, your actual Magic the Gathering 20 life total might not be the thing you're concerned about. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I was just thinking, boom, sign me up for a build your own vampire Nighthawk. Yeah. Oh, man, I hadn't put in those terms before, but hmm, that's interesting. Wow. I'm not sure what to think about this card. I mean, it looks pretty good. And like you said, Corrupted is cool because, you know, like you were kind of getting at the problem with uh, poison sometimes is like, well, I got five poison counters on my opponent and it's like, all right, cool. Like that didn't really accomplish much. So that is kind of a way to solve that problem. So your deck could just be half poison, half killing your opponent with normal damage, but you still do feel good about poisoning your opponent because some of your cards will get better, like the Bone Picker Scourge. Right. Well, and this is a huge upgrade here on this specific Corrupted. And there are some other cards we're going to take a look at later that are also pretty significant bonuses. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly you can get your opponent three or more poison counters and how easy it is to do. I assume if this is a headliner mechanic that we're going to do our usual trusting of wizards and assume (laughs) this is going to be a big part of the format. But I mean, if this card is consistently Vampire Nighthawk, that's really good, right? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I think that you you have to, you know, paying for a little bit where maybe until turn six, this is just like a win Drake. But yeah, even Vampire Nighthawk on, on, on turn six, that's that's still quite good. All right, our next mechanic is for Mirrodin. What's going on there? Oh, wait, excuse me. I said it wrong. For Mirrodin. <laughs> There's an exclamation mark for uh, those who have not seen this mechanic yet. It's a triggered ability found on some equipment cards, and it says, when this equipment enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 red rebel creature token and attach this equipment. So our example here, we got a Volshock Splitter. What's going on there? This is three and a red for an artifact equipment. It has the ability for Mirrodin. <laughs> when this equipment enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 red rebel creature token, then attach this creature to it. Equipped creature gets plus two plus O, and this equipment has an equip cost of two and a red. So when you cast this, you're going to get a 4-2, and then after your red rebel dies or you choose to move this equipment, you've got Volshock Splitter lying around as well to give creatures plus two plus O. Yeah, and this is almost kind of another callback to a mechanic we saw back the last time we went to Mirrodin, uh, Living Weapon. And this that's a mechanic that was, uh, you got a 01 germ token on your equipment. This is a, obviously a bigger upgrade with a 2-2, but of course, that means the equipment you get is generally going to be worse. But this is a cool take on equipment. Equipment's kind of been, uh, you know, kind of sketchy in the past two or three years. A lot of times it doesn't pan out. Call time, it's really funny. That's that's the, uh, the arena open format this week. It actually had some of the best equipment, but other than that, we haven't really seen equipment do its thing in most sets. So hopefully this time around, they, uh, they've they got the, the knobs tweaked just right. And this turns out to be good because it looks like a, a nice, clean solution to this, right? One of the problems with equipment is often just that, well, you know, my might draw my two equipment and only one creature. My opponent kills my creature and well, I'm out of luck. So this is uh, kind of a natural solve to that. Yeah, love both Corrupted and Formiridin. Next up, we've got Oil Counters, which are not a keyword ability, have no inherent rules text, no nothing. But there's going to be a lot of cards in Phyrexia All Be One that use and care about Oil Counters. So basically, so each card is going to tell you how it uses or cares about Oil Counters. So basically, you're just going to have to read every card with Oil Counters to figure out how the Oil Counters interact with that specific card. So we've got an example here, Incubation Pod. What's going on there? Yeah, so this is a single green mana for an artifact at Uncommon. It says Incubation Pot enters the battlefield with three oil counters on it. It has an ability for generic mana, tap it, remove an oil counter from Incubation Pod, create a 3-3 colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token, 
activate only as a sorcerer. So it's like a very small Phyrexian processor that you don't have to pay life for. But it's a lot of stats over time. Of course, the thing with this card is it takes some time to get uh, all your three threes out and quite a bit of mana. What do you, What's your read on this card? My initial reaction would have been that this card is too slow or clunky or whatever. But Mask of the Jade Crafter from Brothers War has given me a new respect for just stats over time. Now, this is not mm. going to be an 8-8 or a 9-9 like that was late in the game. But I think the fact that you're going to be able to proliferate oil counters, which is our next mechanic coming up that we're going to talk about, that lets you add oil counters to things. And there are other ways to add oil counters in the format. I think a chain of three threes is pretty worth it. I mean... A lot of it's going to be format context dependent, determining how good this card is, you know, with the speed of the format or, you know, how quickly you need to impact the board. But this is certainly a way to grind if you need to do that. Yeah. And I guess the idea here with all these oil cards, just to give you a little bit better uh, sneak preview, is that you've got your one shot. Hey, this comes in with two oil counters and, you know, it does its thing and cool, it's over. And sometimes it'll be on a creature that maybe, for example, I'm just making a card up here. I don't know if this card actually exists, but it's a, it's a 2 2 that you can remove an oil counter to give it flying. Let's just say. But the idea is if you have proliferate cards, like you said, or I think there is a few ways to put oil counters on cards, then you can keep keep using your cards with oil abilities. Yes. So speaking of proliferate, that's our only returning mechanic here. It's a keyword action that can add in this format more oil counters or poison counters to your opponents. So anytime you proliferate, you choose any number of players or permanents that already have counters on them. And for each counter and for each kind of counter, you add another one. So we've got Experimental Augury here. Yeah, so this is one in a blue for an instant at common. Look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, the rest in the bottom of your library in any order, as just anticipate, but you also get Proliferate attached on for free. Yeah, how much better does that make this card? I'm pretty interested in it, I think, personally myself, just from what I've seen so far in the previews. Yeah, one of the things I, I was thinking of as I was looking through all the cards is, man, they're just hacking proliferate onto everything. So I don't know if that's a hint that maybe it's not as good or as desirable as I would think. Or, you know, you're kind of saying you looks a lot better than your normal anticipate here. Or maybe it's just, yeah, they're they're letting everybody just do it. Just do the thing. And I don't know exactly, but I can just imagine in a situation where, you know, on turn five, your opponent's got a poison counter and you've got two things with oil counters. And that's a really big upgrade over a regular anticipate if you get a little more value spread around right? just in small increments. Right. You're going to have to do the work to make it good. But if you've done the work, it seems quite powerful. And, you know, we've seen this thing recently in design where they tack on whatever the mechanic is. You know, last set it was you get a power stone. And it seems like in this format, it's going to be you get to proliferate, which is pretty sweet, I think for both oil counters and poison counters. And supposedly there are no plus one, plus one or minus one, minus one counters running around in Phyrexia all will be one. I know you've looked at most of the uh, previews and all the spoiled cards. Can you confirm or deny? Yes, I believe that is true. I know for sure there's no plus one counters. and I'm pretty sure there's no negative one counters as well. And I, I remember... Uh... I read on Twitter, actually, they they had a swear jar kind of or a counter jar when they were designing yeah, the set. Where, yeah, if anybody submitted a design with a plus one or a negative one counter, they were like, oh, you got to put something in the jar. <laughs> right. Sweet. And the idea here, is, of course, is if you're playing in paper, you don't want to mix up all these counters. So it's oil counters is the main counter. So if you're going to put your die on. That's that's what it is. It's just so for clarity, basically. So all these mechanics look sweet. I'm especially a huge fan of oil counters and corrupted. And I think. 
it's going to be really cool to see how you get your opponent to those three poison counters for corrupted. Like, is it you get them one poison counter and then proliferate twice? Are you going to be doing it all via attacking, you know? So curious to see how all that plays out. Yeah. And as we're moving into our archetypes here, I think that's kind of the idea with this set where a lot of the mechanics we just talked about, they're actually in quite a few colors. It's not just like, oh, well, black green is the toxic color. I mean, it is, but there's a lot of different archetypes, a lot of different color combinations that maybe put a twist on toxic or put a twist on oil counters more than whatever the main color pair that's that's doing that thing does. So it's actually kind of cool that there's a lot of different ways to approach these mechanics as we see as we're going to get into these archetypes. Right. Corrupted especially, I think, is going to lead to a lot of bleed between synergies and things like that. And that's always the sign of a good limited format when stuff like that is going on. Yeah, just to kind of set the stage for this set, I think this is a pretty complex format. There's a lot of words that interact in a lot of different ways on a lot of these cards. So I think when you're reading these cards for the first time, there's going to be a lot of, oh, this plays well with that. And oh, I can, oh, wow, this works with both this, this and this. So I think there's going to be a lot of crossovers, uh, like you mentioned. All right, that gets us into the limited archetypes. So um, Wizards of the Coast does a weekly MTG Twitch stream. And towards the end of that, there was a Q&A session where uh, they were asked about the limited archetypes. And they threw us a bone here and gave us a generic description of each of the 10 color pairs. So let's run these down. Blue black is corrupted. And we have signpost uncommons for five of these. So on the ones where we have the signpost uncommons, we will stop and check those out. Uh, Blue black, we don't yet, but we do for green white. So green white is go wide toxic. And the signpost uncommon is slaughter singer. What's going on there? This is green white for a two two. It's got toxic two. And whenever another creature you control with toxic attacks, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Yeah, this is a beater. Yeah, so if you think of Toxic 2, that's kind of like 4 power in, in a lot of ways, right? Now, of course, not for creature combat, but for killing your opponent. This hits your opponent. Well, they can't take Toxic 2 very many times. Right, how often it is clocking them. But important to note that this is going to potentially get blanked pretty quickly if you don't have ways to force it through in combat. You know, if you don't have combat tricks or whatever, Toxic is not Death Touch or even Death Touch adjacent, right? If this gets blocked by a 3-3, you're out of luck. Also worth noting here, the, the plus one plus one it gives to other creatures with Toxic, uh, that is going to be tied into these Phyrexian Mites, which exist. They're the, kind of the token of this set. They are one ones that can't block with Toxic ones. So those, you're going to get spotted those for free some amount of the time. So I guess the idea here with Green White is you make a bunch of Mites and the Singer then pumps it. And, you know, there are two twos, which doesn't actually affect the Toxicness of it, right? It doesn't change that number, but it does mean that your two twos will get in past your opponent's creatures a little bit more often. Well, right. And some of these color pairs are named Corrupted and some of them are named Toxic. I mean, we have to assume at this point, I think, until we've got our hands on the cards and started playing with them, the ones that say Toxic, at least for me at this point, are you're probably trying to get your opponent to 10 poison counters and the Corrupted may be more likely that you're getting your opponent to those three threshold to get your stuff bonuses to kill them with regular combat damage or poison. Yeah, it's actually really great that we looked at these two archetypes in particular because it makes sense for how you'd expect a green-white deck and a blue-black deck to play out, right? Green-white is like, well, I'm getting on board, I'm attacking you, I'm going away with some tokens, where blue-black's like, yeah, maybe I'll poison you, but, you know, you're corrupted now, I'm just going to sit back, play my slow game, and uh, play a bit more of a control game, potentially. Yeah. All right, next up we've got blue-red, which we also have the uncommon for. Blue-red is supposedly... Instants and sorceries mixed with oil counters, and our uncommon does all of that and more. 
Yes, yeah, so this is Serum Core Chimera. This is two blue red for a 2 4 flyer, Phyrexian Chimera at an uncommon. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, put an oil counter on Serum Core Chimera. Then you can remove three oil counters from the Chimera to draw a card. Then you may discard a card. When you do, the Chimera deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, activate only as a sorcery. So a lot of, a lot of little moving parts here, but you've got a Two four flyer for four that as you cast non-creature spells, you get to draw some cards and then kill some things. This looks pretty darn good to me. It's four mana, which is a little on the expensive side, and yeah. it's going <laughs> to take a bit to get going. But if you get it going, it's going to be a house. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit weary of uh, two power four mana creature. I think that you know, we've kind of repeatedly seen that that kind of underperforms even on an invasive body. But, you know, this this Chimera does have a lot to offer. It might be a little bit too slow, but it does have some uh, some potential. I, I can see this card being one way or the other, either like really backbreaking or just, you know, a little bit too clunky for the format. I have a card evaluation resolution for myself for this format and going yeah. forward. So I've, I've realized recently and in Brothers War especially, and I think just over the past year I've been doing some reflective. I, have, I haven't really put this out into the podcast yet, but I, I've realized about myself that I'm very attracted to cards that obviously make you want to do work to do a thing <laughs> if that effect is powerful, right? Like yep. this is powerful if you do the thing. Like, so, you know, you get your three non-creature spells, you check those boxes, you get to draw a card, pitch something, you get a free lightning bolt, potentially. Like, that's all very good, but you have to do work <laughs> leading up to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, set up costs, I guess. But to, for some reason, you know, to borrow an LR term, but my brain doesn't process this as setup cost. My brain processes as, oh, this is super synergistic. I want to do this synergy to do the mm. thing. But it's not actually just net good. And there are cards that are just net good and always do the thing and i'm gonna i'm gonna try harder to be critical of things like this that make me have to do some work to get the good stuff nice and you know just to put this into practice maybe think about this ben right where sometimes you've got this four mana card in, in some formats whatever card it is and you go okay well if i just untap with this i'm, I'm gonna be a good yeah like yes it's a little bit dorky but uh after i untap i can tap it it does its cool ability or gets to attack and gets its cool ability this is well i have to untap and I have to play three non-creature spells. It might not even be the turn I untap. It might be over the course of two or three turns, which that's a lot of work, even if you are getting a decent payout. This is where my lack of learning the MTG rules comes into play. Let's say you've got a Serum Core Chimera and you cast Experimental Augury, the Anticipate that lets you proliferate at the end. Mm -hmm. Are you going to end up with two counters on your Serum Core Chimera there? You cast it and you get the trigger on top, right? Exactly. And then and then it has the counter. And then when your your anticipate finishes resolving, you get to put the second counter on. Yep, that's exactly right. Your uh, your triggers are going to stack on top of each other and you'll you'll do the thing the way you want it to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to cast one, really. I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Ben's like, you know, hand wave it. There's, there's, there's a, car, a few cards that make my uh, my work not as hard. Uh, I'm not going to sweat it. It's going to be great. I'm going to have it every single time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got blue green, which is go big toxic. So maybe some paladin <laughs> of predations there to look at our uh, seven mana toxic six creature from earlier. Yeah, I think the idea here, it's so funny. I feel like they always have a little bit of trouble with the blue-green archetype. Just like, well, it's rampy stuff. But I think it's kind of just a, a different name for the same thing here. We'll see. Maybe it has a bit of a twist. But I'm imagining this as kind of, yeah, you got your gigantic seven mana, six mana creature that doesn't need to get in four or five times to kill your opponent with Toxic. It's just two hits and, and you're out of here. So that uh, we'll see how many gigantic creatures with large Toxic numbers we see. But uh, that that might be 
kind of the spin on the ramp archetype this time. Yeah, this next archetype, I am curious to see what it is and how it plays out. This is labeled blue-white artifacts slash classic control was how they described it uh, on the Twitch session. And we've not seen a ton of cards slotted into this previewed yet. So remains to be seen whether this is going to be very supported or if this is just one of the, the throwaway color pairs that they didn't just know quite what to do with. Next up, we've got Black Red, and oh, surprise, surprise, the theme is Sacrifice. Sacrifice a creature or an artifact for a bonus in particular here. So same kind of thing. We haven't seen too many of the cards just yet. We have not seen the signposts and commons, but I imagine it's pretty standard. <laughs> you know, we've seen a lot of spins on Black Red in the past little while. I imagine they've got a lot of the same design principles. Probably going to be a active trees in effect somewhere in there. You're probably going to be using a bunch of little trinkety things, maybe sacrificing those Phyrexian mites like I was talking about. So we'll see the exact spin, but we've we've kind of been uh, in this neighborhood pretty recently. For sure. Next up, we've got black green toxic, and we do have the gold uncommon here. It's Necrogen Rot Priest. Two green black for a 1-5 Phyrexian zombie cleric with toxic two. Whenever a creature you control with toxic deals combat damage to a player, that player gets an additional poison counter. And it's got the ability one black green to give target creature you control with toxic death touch until end of turn. Ooh, so it's kind of like a poison lord in a way where, you know, you're you're getting an additional power almost on your toxic, right? To add a number to your toxic, whatever your toxic is. Uh, and the, the death touch is actually like a pretty nice bonus, not just on your one five here it was just massive. Never going to kill that thing. But just again, those going on back to those mites or any small creatures. One of the things with toxic or infect creatures often is they're a little bit smaller to accommodate for the fact that you are getting a bonus. So giving those small creatures death touch is actually pretty important. Well, for sure. And the additional toxic is almost like plus two attack, like you mentioned earlier, right? If you're only trying to get your opponent to 10 poison counters, this looks pretty darn good to me. Yeah, it's, it's one of those cards that, you know, it is, again, a four mana card. And it's so funny that in 2023, we're like, ooh, four mana and limited. Like, that's a little bit steep. But, you know, four mana cards do have to pull their weight. And I do like that this does something immediately when it comes down, not just on offense where it's pumping your other toxic creatures, but one five does block basically everything. So it's kind of pulling double duty there. Right. Well, and compared to the Serum Core Chimera, just the, the card evaluation resolution I was talking about for myself, Necrogen Rot Priest has a much more immediate, powerful impact than something like Chimera. Yeah, yeah I would say so. You don't have to wait multiple turns to get some sort of benefit out of it. It's often going to be like, well, I just play this and does something good now. and My opponent really has to respect it because kind of the thing with the Chimera, or one of the problems with those types of cards is your opponent kind of kind of go, well, do I want to kill it now? Do I want to kill it later? Maybe I'll kill it when they cast their third non-creature spell. Here, it's just like, well, uh, I'm getting beat down by a bunch of toxic things, and I also can't race it because there's a 1-5 here, so I have to have, take immediate action. So I, I do think this card is going to be pretty good. All right, next up, we've got Black White Corrupted Slash Toxic. So uh, they were referring to this on the Twitch stream as a, a perfect victory for this color <laughs> pair, where they're, you were maybe going to be lining up actual damage and poison counters at the same time. And so we've got Vivisection Evangelist as our uncommon here. This is three white black for a 4-4 four, four Phyrexian Cleric with Vigilance. It's got Corrupted, and when it ETBs, if an opponent has three or more poison counters, destroy target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls boom that card's really really good but i'm, I'm just laughing to myself because be, both in the description of this and the fact that this card looks pretty pushed makes me just think they kind of went oh man black, what are we gonna do for black white guys like we gotta we gotta put something together and they went okay we'll get a really really good uncommon and we'll just call it a day because 
this seems like one of the lesser synergistic or lesser uh, put together archetypes. Potentially one of the ones that were just like, well, on the cutting room floor, we, uh, we do have to make some archetype out of our colors here. Well, that card is certainly going to get me to play black-white. That's for yes, sure. Yes, yes, definitely. And also, you know, eminently splashable. Like, your blue-black deck will probably want to take this. Your corrupted, controlling blue-black deck. It's a pretty easy splash, I, I think. You know, as long as there is some amount of fixing. All right, that takes us on to green-red, which is oil counters. And again, no signpost uncommon there. So we'll move along to white-red, which is equipment, the four Mirrodin mechanic. We've got blade hold war whip as the signpost uncommon here. Yeah, it says one red white for a equipment. It says for Mirrodin, equip abilities you activate other equipment cost one less to activate. The equip creature of this equipment has double strike, and the equip cost for this one is three red white. So you got a three mana two two double strike that makes all your equipment a little bit better, and it's a kind of a hefty equip cost, but two two double strike is just a really really solid body for three mana. Yeah, this card looks excellent. And this is kind of the outlier archetype where it's not really interacting with any of the other mechanics. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have like some stuff in there where, you know, somebody's going to get a poison kill in red, white, but it is the, you know, flavorfully, this is, this is the other faction that is fighting against the other nine archetypes that are just do, trying to kill you with infect or toxic and poison counters. Yep. The rebel Alliance. All right. Moving on to the removal that's been previewed so far. First one we've got as a banger. This is Anoint with Affliction, one and a black for an instant, exile target creature if it has mana value three or less, and then Corrupted, exile that creature instead if its controller has three or more poison counters. Yeah, a bit of a weird template here, but basically it, it just says, well, you know, kill a small thing early and kill anything late. And I don't know exactly how easy it is going to get those first three poison counters, but I, I imagine in some decks, you know, you play a two drop with toxic and that gives your opponent a poison counter. And then you you anticipate or whatever that card is that uh, proliferates to. And then you're not that far off. And then you've just got all of your annoyance afflictions turned on to two mana exile anything. That's really powerful. Yeah, would be a front runner for best black common, I think, for sure. Next up, we've got Hex Gold Slash. This is red for an instant, deals two damage to target creature. If that creature has toxic, it deals four damage to that creature instead. Oh, I love these kind of designs. Just like shock that with some kind of condition can either kill a bigger thing or you can upgrade it somehow. This looks good to me. Uh, not only does it kill all these like cheap toxic creatures that, you know, I think there's going to be kind of this point, this tension point where your opponent I think it's going to, in a lot of games, going to play that two drop and maybe that two drop has toxic and that's their first way to get that first poison counter on you. And if you can just kill that, then all their proliferate cards that they're planning to play just don't do as much. So I, I, if I'm to be a little bit predictive here, I wonder if just like having a cheap interaction spell in your opening hand is going to be important in this format. Oh yeah, it certainly seems like with the toxic and the corrupted stuff that it's going to be important to get on board early, either to get yourself either to get your opponent poison counters or to prevent yourself from getting poison counters from your opponent. So yeah, certainly agree with that take. Yeah, I think we're gonna have been going board presence people a lot in, in the early parts of this format. Next up, we've got mesmerizing dose. This is one blue blue for an enchantment aura enchant creature when it ETBs tap enchanted creature, then proliferate enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controllers untap step. So the question is, does proliferate do enough to make claustrophobia good? Oh, they keep tempting us, Ben. They keep trying to reel us back in and be like, no, 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 trust us. The enchantment removal spell, it's good this time. And they've, to be fair, they've done a pretty good job of that in the last little while. This one, yeah, just a strict upgrade on claustrophobia. I imagine that's enough. Like, I imagine getting a little bit of a quote-unquote enter the battlefield effect makes this 
so that you're pretty happy either locking down something, even if there is a static ability, or you just go, hey, great, I just want as many proliferate things as I can get, and a removal spell is a fine thing to have that on, so I'm gonna bet that this one's actually pretty good. Yeah, the blue-blue is a little off-putting, but I think certainly I'm higher on this than I normally would be. Next up, we've got Planner Disruption, which is a pacifism variant. Strictly better, actually. One in a white for an enchantment, Aura. Enchant artifact, creature, or planeswalker. Enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. White, joining the removal party. Yeah, this is just like, you know, they sometimes there's very small incremental, well, we'll make this classic magic card a little bit better to fit modern standards. They just went all out here, just like pacifism. Now you can now enchant planeswalkers and artifacts. And you're just, we're, it's also just, it's arrest, right? It's got the arrest text. And usually we see that at three mana. This is one of the most pushed white removal spells we've ever seen, I think. Right. This has got to be good and in the conversation for top white commons. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, top white commons for sure. Who knows if it's actually the best? I think often that goes to a creature in white. But this is, you know, I'm very happy to have this, I, I would say. Until further notice, basically, I will be happy to put planner disruption in my deck. Also worth noting, that Planeswalker text, you know, sometimes just like, okay, a little bit of an insurance policy in case your opponent opens a Mythic. There's actually 10 Planeswalkers in this set. There's five at Mythic, five at Rare. So you're going to be very happy that this card has that text in a lot of your games. Hot diggity, yeah. My stance on these cards is usually not super interested in the white one and hoping to never play the blue one. And I'm, I'm starting out assuming Planner Disruption is pretty darn good and that I will play Mesmerizing Dose and like gauge how good it is accordingly. Yeah, I think so too. All right, next up, we've got Vanish Into Eternity. What's going on there? This is two and a white for an instant at common. This spell costs three more to cast if it targets a creature. Exile, target, non-land permanent. So for three mana, you can get rid of a enchantment or an artifact. But if you want to hit a creature, it's going to cost you a full six mana, which is pretty pricey. This is not good, right? This is maybe a 23rd type card if you were desperate type situation. So I think if you're looking at this in the lens of a creature removal spell, yeah, you're not going to be happy. But it's basically just a disenchant effect with upside, right? Often you'll play a disenchant effect as your 23rd card, especially in these kind of Mirrodin Phyrexian sets that there are a bunch of enchantments and artifacts, specifically artifacts running around. And if sometimes your disenchant just turns into, hey, I get to kill a regular creature too. That's not bad, right? Right, for sure. I hadn't really put together that we were in a, a semi-artifacty set again as well. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time, though, uh, you know, it's not going to be a card I think you're going to be putting in most of your decks, but we'll see. It might just end up that there are enough artifacts running around. Right. Not a high pick, like a, a D-type card that you could play. Yep. All right, next up, we've got a card that is quite good. Volt Charge, two in a red for an instant, deals three damage to any target, and Proliferate. Uh, yeah, I I almost want to push back a little bit on this. Not that I don't think it's a, it's a good card, but I think uh, the day of like three mana instant deal three with a little bit of upside might have come and, come and gone. I think open fire from Amonkhet block was always a little bit overrated. So I don't know how much proliferate tacked on makes this better, but three mana for three damage, that's a little bit below where you want to be. And, and, maybe proliferate and maybe proliferate does push that over the edge, but I don't know. I'm not as excited about this card. All right, can we timestamp that so that I can play that back to you when this card is amazing? Yes, we can, of course. I look, I don't think it's going to be Excavation Explosion. Let me, let me, let me put it that way. But really? It, <laughs> it is going to be much closer to Excavation Explosion than it is like a C plus or something. This card is very good. Yeah, I could just be being pessimistic about this, but uh, I, I just remember being a little bit underwhelmed by cards that look like this. And like I said, Proliferate might change that. 
All right, no context here, so this is not a very fair question. Pack one, <laughs> pick one, Hex Gold Slash or Bolt Charge. Hex Gold Slash is the two mana, the, the shock, the deal two, and then deal four if the creature has infect. I usually like the shock a little bit better, just in general in most formats, uh, so I might be a little bit predisposed to saying the shock, but I, I would say the shock. Wow, I'm, I'm a hard Volt Charge there myself. And you know, worth noting, this goes to face, right? That 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 is uh, definitely an upgrade on your burn spell. So we'll have to see. But uh, and maybe I'll eat my words in the very first day of the format. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, no, no, no. I was wrong about this. All right. Next up, we've got ossification. What's going on there? Yeah, this is another pretty good white removal spell. So this one's an uncommon. It's one in a white for an aura. You enchant a basic land you control and says when ossification enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until ossification leaves the battlefield. So it's a little bit of a oblivion ring for two mana, but you got enchanted land, which is a very low cost and limited. The idea in constructed is like, yeah, you got to play some basics, but we're just going to be doing that anyway. So just for us, we, we kind of just get this, uh, this good removal spell spotted to us. Yeah, card's great. And worth noting, all those other removal spells we talked about were common. I don't know that we mentioned that on everyone. Next up, we've got Shieldred's Edict. This is one in a black for an uncommon instant. Choose one. Each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature, sacrifices a creature token, or sacrifices a planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, they're, once again, really uh, juicing up a old classic here. They're making Edicts a little bit better, but still probably not very good, right? Right. All right, that takes us on to a cycle of skull bombs, they're called this time around. This is a, a throwback to the spell bombs from original Mirrodin. And this is a cycle of artifacts that cost one mana, and they have all have the ability, a colorless mana to sacrifice itself to cantrip, to draw a card. And then they have a colored ability specific to each spell bomb uh, of each color that gives you a small bonus and then cantrips as well. Yeah, I think these are going to be pretty high picks. So anytime we've seen these kind of like trinkety little artifacts that can draw a card and have an additional ability, they're kind of the glue that holds together a lot of decks. Now, there's not super heavy artifact decks in this format, I don't think. That's kind of not the that's kind of not the main thing going on. But I do think there's gonna be enough cards that are like when an artifact enters, like you know, blue white, like we were talking about, kind of uh, cares about artifacts entering, and I think that these are gonna be play a large part there, but also you know, it, it is Phyrexia slash Mirrodin. There's going to be enough things that interact with a cheap one mana artifact. And all of these, as we're going to get into them, they have pretty good effects when you do pop them for their colored mana cost. So the first one here, Surgical Skull Bomb. This is one mana to play and one mana to sacrifice to draw a card. Or the, the blue ability, two and a blue, Sacrifice Surgical Spell Bomb, return target creature to its owner's hand, draw a card. It's only activated a sorcery, but that's quite good still. Yes, very strong effect. I'm going to run down the other colors here, and then we can just kind of gauge all of them together. So the green yeah. is 2G to give target creature plus 3, plus 3, and trample until end of turn at sorcery speed. The red lets you put two oil counters on an artifact or a creature you control. And then, again, all of these are activated at sorcery speed. The black lets you return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And the white lets you give a creature plus 2, plus 2, and flying until end of turn. So, And all of those cantrips again, when you activate them for the colored ability as well. Yeah, some of those might not seem that exciting, like, oh, okay, I'm pumping my creature or, you know, whatever. But just remember, attack and draw a card on something is just so, so big. It's just such a big deal. Really like all the skull bombs. Yeah, those are really cool. I, I think these are going to be pretty high picks. All right, that takes us on to some toxic creatures here. So we've alluded to toxic quite a bit and discussed it already. So just to give you an idea of where the toxic things live. So based on those color pairs that Watsi described, 
three of the green color pairs care about toxic, three of the black, and then two of the white and two of the blue. So primarily concentrated in black and green backed up by white and blue and then no red toxic going on. Right. Yeah, I think that's to make sure that when you're drafting your red white deck, you don't have to worry about that so much. You know what? You have one color that is free of toxic and you can just focus on normal damage. All right, so our first card we're going to look at here is Blight Belly Rat. So this is a one and a black, two, two common. It's got toxic one, and when Blight Belly Rat, and when Blight Belly Rat dies, you blur for it. Oh my God. And when Blight Belly, <laughs> English, this is a tough one, it's yeah. rough. <laughs> and when Blight Belly Rat dies, proliferate. Uh, I just took two takes of that. Everybody at home, try to say that last sentence there. Blight Belly Rat proliferate. I just messed it up again. It's a very difficult sentence to say. (laughs) When Blight Belly Rat dies, proliferate. That's it. That's it. Ben's got it. (laughs) So what do we think about this? It's just like a, yo, I think you're a bread and butter toxic card in black, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, this is going to, if it gets the first hit in, be very annoying and be very likely to get you quite close to corrupted on just one card, which is super valuable, I think. Yeah, and just throwing back to what I was saying, where you're going to want to be interacting early, you're going to want to have a creature to block with or an interaction spell. Even something as lowly as this little rat, if, if that gets in the first time, you're going to be feeling pretty bad about your position, I think, just making all of your opponent's other cards better at that point. All right, next up, we've got Annex Sentry. This is two and a white for a 1-4 with Toxic 1. When this ETBs, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls with mana value 3 or less until this leaves the battlefield. Uh, I mean, this just seems amazing, right? It's just your classic Banisher Priest slash Fiend Hunter kind of white uncommon removal style creature. And 1-4 is nice, right? A lot of these are kind of a little more fragile, like 2 toughness sometimes. But 4 toughness means they're going to need to have uh, uh, the right removal spell to kill this. And a lot of damage-based removal spells, well, I guess the Shrock actually does kill this kind of funny because it has toxic. But, you know, 4 toughness on this kind of effect is something that appeals to me. Well, and also just imagine curving out like Blight Belly Rat into Annex Sentry. You're going to be able to use the Sentry to get rid of your opponent's blocker to get in that first critical hit of poison damage as well. Yeah, and also one of the things too is you, you kind of have to have that shift in your mind of what exactly Toxic 1 means because this is the 1-4 and our brains kind of just go, okay, it's got a defensive body. But really, this has two power, quote unquote, if you want to think about it like that with Toxic 1. So you know, a one four, your opponent can kind of just go, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just take that damage. I don't really care about it. And so I can attack with my other creatures. I don't care if you crack me back But with this, this actually does matter. This like one four that you wouldn't care about that body often. So just, just something to kind of reframe there. Next up, I have a feeling this is going to be a groan test when your opponent <laughs> plays it. it. Says Bilius Skull Dweller, black for a one one with death touch and toxic one. It's a Phyrexian insect. Yeah, it's, it's kind of got the same thing going on where it's like usually these 1-1 death touchers on offense, your opponent's like, yeah, sure, I can just I can take the one. I don't care. But yeah, toxic one means it matters on defense and it matters on offense. So kind of nice for a little one mana card here. We've also got an equipment that gives toxic. This is prosthetic injector. It's one mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus O plus two and has toxic one. And it's got an equipped cost of one. Oh, this is such a strange one. I'm not sure if I like this. Like, you know, I was just kind of talking about how equipment can be kind of clunky sometimes. Now, mind you, this is one in one. It's about as cheap as you can get. But how much do you need to give another toxic to your creatures in your toxic deck? I'm not sure. Also, worth noting, rules wise, toxic stacks. So different instances, they'll basically just add to your toxic number. So on Arena, what you'll see is if you have a creature with toxic two and you equip this, it'll have like toxic two and toxic one and your opponent gets dealt the three poison counters if this deals combat damage. So I don't know. What do you think about this card? It looks pretty good to me. I mean, if you frame it as 
it almost gives plus two power and plus two toughness, right? If you right, think true. about it that yeah. way, for a one cost equipment and a one cost to equip, that's pretty insane. Yeah, we have to kind of think on this axis we don't often, where it's power and toughness on a creature matters for both dealing damage to your opponent and how the creature interacts in combat, right? If it can survive combat, if it can attack through some things. And with Toxic in the mix, those aren't always the same things, right? You could have a really large creature with Toxic one, and your opponent's like, I'm not really incentivized to block that because it's just like, quote unquote, two damage. And you can have the inverse too, right? Let's say you had a really small creature with like Toxic five. Well, it's like, well, I need to really block that at all costs. So yeah, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic going on here. And well, I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. But th that is a good way to frame that. It, it doesn't help in combat getting you in. But when you do, yeah, it is kind of like plus two. All right. Next up, we've got viral spawning. This looks like a banger. Two and a green for a sorcery. Create a three, three green Phyrexian beast creature token with toxic one. It's an uncommon. And it's got the ability corrupted as long as an opponent has three or more poison counters and viral spawning is in your graveyard. It has flashback for two and a green. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I'm a centaur courser hater myself, but uh, I like it when you get two of them on one card. This card seems very good to me. Speaking of very good cards, next up is Nim Razor Paladin. This is four and a black for a four four with toxic two. And when it enters the battlefield, return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, Toxic 2 is a lot. 5 mana is a lot, but it's a little, well, not even a little, it's a big grave digger, right? That uh, often your small creatures are going to be those small toxic creatures that we've, we've already covered and kind of we've been alluding to. So yeah, I think often you're going to be pretty happy getting back even just like a 2 mana creature because it does have some amount of value in the, in the late game. Your opponent's got a few poison counters already. They're like, yeah, that one mana flyer, that uh, one power flyer that has toxic, I, I actually have to care about that. Oof. If there's a one power flyer with toxic, sign me up. A uh, little birdie might have told me then that uh, I think I've seen one in the mean streets of uh, Reddit. So I you know, look forward to that. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got one of our Lords of Limited preview cards, which is Jawbone Duelist. One and a white for a one one double strike. But a twist on this card, it's got toxic one. Wow, this thing's a beating, man. Just like really difficult to interact with in combat with any kind of buff. Uh, really, really scary card. I mean, it's not, you know, imagine if this had, when I first read this card, I was like, you're going to kill your opponent out of nowhere. It's, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Toxic is not the same thing as, as power. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I still think this card's pretty good. Oh, yeah. This card looks excellent to me. All right, that takes us on to some creatures that are going to get bonuses from Corrupted. First up, we've got Incisor Glider. Yeah, so this is a two-mana creature, one and a white, for a 1-3 flyer at common. Its corrupted bonus is whenever Incisor Glider attacks, if an opponent has three or more poison counters, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. I love this card. Yeah, it's kind of got the same vibe as the green-white uncommon that we looked at, where you know the idea is get a lot of really small creatures with toxic and then pump them go wide. This is a pretty solid common. I actually read this and I was like, oh, I, I was a little bit surprised that this was a common. It's not like insanely powerful, but it does. I would not be shocked if this was an uncommon as well. I think this is pretty powerful. It pumps itself, too, if you get corrupted, right? Like then it's a two mana, two four flyer that's attacking. I think this card is a beating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, strategic magic implications aside, I just realized incisor is like teeth. And if you look at it, it's just like this, like plane with a bunch of teeth on it. It's really, it's really <laughs> gross. A lot of the art in this set is really gross. <laughs> Yeah, so very excited about Incisor Glider. All right, next up, we've got a couple of Lords of Limited previews. We've got Sinew Dancer. What's going on there? Yes, yeah, so this is a one mana, one one at common. It's got three and a white tap 
tap target creature. So that that is hefty for a tapper. But if your opponent is corrupted, it only costs a single white mana. So you get a one mana, one, one tapper for white mana to activate the tap ability, which is, you know, kind of what we used to see back in the day. We don't really see this anymore. But, you know, if you just play this on one and your deck is pretty good at poisoning your opponent, I think this card actually looks pretty appealing to me. Yeah, I'm honestly less jazzed about the Sinew Dancer than the Incisor Glider, which is funny. But I think both cards certainly have potential if you get corrupted. I mean, all the corrupted cards are going to be good when you do the thing. Right. The question <laughs> is going to be how quickly and how efficiently can you do the thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, reading these cards and being like, "Ooh, if you get that corrupted. But that's, of course, not the question you're <laughs> trying to figure out, right? All right. Next up, we've got Impossible of Invasion. What's going on there? So this is a six mana uncommon four white, white for a four, four flyer. And it says corrupted as long as an opponent has three more poison counters, the apostle gets double strike. So that's, that's a lot of damage on your uh, on your flyer here. Eight mana or eight damage if it connects. It's six mana. It's just so much, though. Yeah, I, I, I am <laughs> not very high on this card, despite having a, a spot in my heart for it. Since it's one of our preview cards, this, I think, is not a good one. Yeah, my initial reaction reading this is, uh, you know, just, you know, in general, when I'm reading magic cards, I'm like, oh, trying to see the upside and try to hype it up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, like six mana, four, four flyer is not that impressive. And I would imagine in most well-constructed decks that didn't end up in draft train wrecks, you're going to be corrupted or your opponent is going to be corrupted by turn six. So you can kind of read this as like four, four double strike straight up. But at the same time, it's still got kind of the issues that a six mana flyer would have where it's like, all right, six mana, play my thing. Hope you don't deal with it. Hope you don't have a removal spell. Hope you weren't killing me in the meantime while I had the six mana card in my hand. Right. Yeah, not not a huge fan. Next up, we've got Chittering Skitterling. This is two and a black for a one four Phyrexian Rat. It's got Corrupted to do this ability. So only has this ability when your opponent has three or more poison counters. You can sacrifice an artifact or creature to draw a card for free. Activate it only if they have three or more poison counters and only once each turn. This card seems really good to me. <laughs> like it's uh, it's kind of got Skullport Merchant vibes, sort of right from uh, from AFR. And I, I think even though it's once per turn, there's no mana activation. So you can just go. All right. Well, I've you've got corrupted now. I'm going to sack my little trinkety artifact and pass it to you. And I'm going to sack my token that can't block that I kind of got spotted for free. This seems like your opponent's just going to have to kill this most of the time, even if they're not corrupted yet, they're going to have to think about it or they're like, well, I'm not corrupted yet, but this thing's going to be a nightmare for me if I do become corrupted. Yeah, this card's incredible. I didn't realize that you could also do this on your opponent's turn at instant speed until you yeah. were just talking about it. This is incredible. Yeah, actually, that's that's true. Instant speed is a big thing, too, because a lot of times these effects are limited to sorcery speed so that when your opponent casts a removal spell, it's not like, oh, your opponent doesn't feel terrible about that going, well, they're just going to sack it. But that is true for this card. Your opponent's going to feel really bad when they have to point a removal spell at something when you have this card play. All right, next up, we've got some cards that proliferate. First up is Scheming Aspirant. This is kind of a proliferate lord. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is another uncommon. This is one in a black for a 1-3. And it says, whenever you proliferate, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. That's so much. I, I am, my curiosity is piqued by this card. I, I cannot figure out if this is insane or mediocre or I, it can't be bad. I just don't know how insane it is. Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting. So I read this as vampire spawn that triggers a bunch of times right and you know we know that card is pretty darn good so i i wonder if 
again, it, it, they got that split kind of, well, I'm poisoning my opponent out, and but I'm also dealing them damage, and that kind of is a little bit of tension. But again, kind of the nice thing about Toxic is you don't really have to worry about that because your creatures are just dealing normal damage anyways. So I would assume even in a deck that is more focused on Toxicking, poisoning your opponent out, this card's still going to be quite good. That two life gain is still going to really matter. Yeah, I'm picturing this in blue-black. Like, just sign me up to play this and then cast Anticipates and drain my opponent out all day. I don't know. I, I am predisposed to like this type of card, <laughs> but it, it looks very powerful to me. Yeah, it might turn out that just like two mana one three is just too poor of a body and you're just it's almost like an enchantment and it's just not good enough. But I can also just see this going the other way and this card's insane. So we'll have to see. Yeah, uh, we've got a couple cards that we talked about already. We've got the Blight Belly Rat from earlier. That's the the two two with Toxic that when it dies, you get to proliferate. We've talked about Experimental Augury. That's the Anticipate that lets you proliferate. We had some removal that lets you proliferate earlier. The Volt Charge, the Deal Three. Uh, mesmerizing dose that's the uh, claustrophobia effect that taps something down and then lets you proliferate and we've got a couple other cards here as well we've got cacophony scamp what's going on there so there's a one mana one one at uncommon it says whenever cacophony scamp deals combat damage to a player you may sacrifice it if you do proliferate it also has when the scamp dies it deals damage equal to its power to any target this seems I'm not great to me. You're going to tell me that it's amazing, right? <laughs> well, Ben, it's one mana and it's a one one. Can you, can, you, can you believe those stats? I mean, you know, as much as I do like one mana one ones, well, it sounds like I'm going to set this up for I don't like this card. I do like this card. Imagine this with any equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not So so you have to think about it. This as like imagine this is a three three, right? And your opponent gets hit by this. Well, that's really six damage, right? Anytime that your this gets hit, like if your opponent takes this they're essentially in risk of taking double whatever it is right it's almost like you give a double strike for a turn or just kill one of your, your opponent's creatures if you want to yeah you're you're right this car i think i'm thrown off by like the sacrificing proliferating part that's not mm -hmm. the card right the card is a one right. mana one one that when it dies it deals damage to its power to any target that's the draw to the card yeah i i think so and also i could just see this in like a more controlling red shell if that exists too just like this like little one one that does ping something on death right you're going to be able to trade up with this and maybe you care a little bit more about proliferating at that point so yeah i think this card does a lot of little things and it's good for both the kind of red white mirrored in deck and also a deck that is looking to do slightly different things yeah i i will say that i am a fan of this card all right i'm buying you talked me up on it all right next up we've got unnatural restoration this is one in a green for a sorcery return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand and then proliferate yeah, I'm going to do uh, the exact same thing you just did to me here and go, well, Ben, do you like this card? Ooh, I don't really I do I don't love know. this card. Back me up on it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is regrowth proliferate. What's not to like? I'm going to have a sweet planeswalker and it's going to die because my opponents are going to have removal and I'm going to get a rebuy <laughs> it and proliferate while I'm doing it. I love this card. Yeah, we've seen variants of this kind of regrowth effect that only gets a permanent and it has been kind of fine okay to play it but once again like i've said this a lot on a lot of these cards maybe proliferate does just push that over the edge from yeah anticipate which is like hey filler or whatever that little bonus might just be enough to make me excited about this kind of card yeah i mean in all seriousness this card is highly medium i think yeah. <laughs> playable but nothing nothing special all right, that's going to take us on to our next group of cards, which are cards that have oil counters or care about oil counters in some way. First up, we've got Magmatic Sprinter. This one is so weird. So this is two in a red for a 3-2 haste at Uncommon. And it says, 
When a magmatic sprinter enters the battlefield, put two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control. At the beginning of your end step, return the sprinter to its owner's hand unless you remove two oil counters from it. What a strange card. This is a lot going on. It's going to be very hard before you ever play this as anything other as a three mana, three, two haste, right? Like you'd have to have a lot of mana to do this and then get some oil counters on it to have enough to not. I don't know. It's a very weird card. Yeah, I think the idea here is exactly what you said. It's just like, well, you know, usually you're going to play this for its three mana attack you with my three, two mode. But in the late game, it's kind of a engine in a lot of ways, right? You can just keep putting oil counters on things. I don't like that if you want to use the three mana attack you mode, you do have to return this <laughs> in like a turn, uh, which is not fantastic for your aggressive decks, having to respend mana to play their creatures. But I do think there is a world where just putting two oil counters on stuff each turn or every other turn, I guess, is worth the mana and the card for this. Right. So I had this backwards. This is either a three mana, three, two haste that you can just do and keep on the battlefield, right? Or then late game, it's put two oil counters on something for three mana and return this to your hand. So it's two oil counters every turn in the late game if you don't want to attack with it ever. Well, it is also not just like it's not just breakneck berserker or whatever three mana three two haste you you want to have an analog to. You do have to return this, right? It's not just going to stick around. It will if you put the two oil counters on itself, though, right? Maybe I'm reading this wrong. At the ending of your end step, return the sprinter to its owner's hand. So, but you do have to keep doing that, right? But when it ETBs, you can put the two oil counters on itself, and then you will have the two oil counters to. I guess so you get it around for a turn and yes. then the next turn it's going to go back to your hand. Yeah. Right, exactly. Right. So it, there is going to be a, a time where this the, the oil runs dry on this one. You have to repick <laughs> it back up. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Very flavorful. Yes, yes. Strange card. All right. Next up is Icker Plate Golem. Kind of an oil lord here. Yeah. So this is a three mana colorless uncommon it's a two three and it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control if it has one or more oil counters on it you put an oil counter on it and creatures with oil counters that you control get plus one plus one yeah i mean i like it this seems very strong and very efficiently costed yeah it's uh, got some foundry inspector kind of vibes to it right we just played with that card uh not too too long ago for folks that know that one pumps through artifacts and yeah i, I think this is cool like it's it's a anthem or it's a lord on two fronts not just power and toughness but giving you and you know, maybe an additional crack at some of your oil abilities so yeah it looks pretty strong to me yeah almost winding constrictor-esque in that way yeah. from the uh from the sealed pool from the uh the, yeah, yeah totally. the sealed pool all right we've got urbrask's anointer next this is kind of a, a flame tongue kavu that you got to work for a little bit uh this is three and a red for a four two artifact creature phyrexian wizard at uncommon and when it ETBs, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of permanents you control with oil counters on them. So you're going to have to be pretty heavy into the oil stuff uh, if you want this card to be more than, you know, zero to one damage. I think that's often <laughs> going to be what it is if you just throw it in your deck. But I think that, you know, again, I haven't seen the entire set having a complete deep dive, but I imagine oil is going to be prevalent enough in your red decks that you could probably just shortcut this to like deals two, sometimes deals three, some amount of the time. And that's going to be well enough, good enough, right? Flame Tongue Kavu is uh, you know, the four damage for on Flame Tongue Kavu. You don't have to aspire to that. Often, if you just pick off something small with this card, you're going to be pretty happy with it. All right, last one here is Watchful Blister Zoa. It's four blue blue for a four four with flying. ETBs with an oil counter on it. 
And whenever it dies, draw cards equal to the number of oil counters on it. <laughs> this thing's just never dying. <laughs> right. This also <laughs> suffers from the same problem as the angel and or just tension on the card, right? You don't want your six mana 4-4 four, four flyer to die. And I mean, I guess if it's going to, you'd like to draw some cards, but none of this is worth six mana. Yeah, like my brain kind of goes, well, would I put more oil counters on it? And then you run into the problem. Like you just mentioned, you don't really want to sacrifice your big creature, even if it means drawing three cards. So, yeah, I I think I'm kind of out on this, but, you know, it could surprise me. We'll see. That takes us on to some equipment here with the four Mirrodin mechanic. First up is Hexgold Halberd. This is an uncommon one in a red equipment and it has for Mirrodin, so it comes with a 2-2 rebel. And as long as it's your turn, equipped creature has first strike and trample, and it's got an equip cost of two and a red. Oof, that is that is efficient. So you're getting a two mana first striking trampling creature, pretty much on your turn. And then you know for for the purpose of attacking, and then moving that around. That that's pretty nice. This is just a very solid dew drop. Yeah, card is excellent. Next up, we've got an equipment that makes those might tokens you were talking about. This is yeah. Infested Flesh Cutter. This is one and a white for an equipment. At uncommon, equipped creature gets plus two plus O. Oh, and whenever equipped creature attacks, create a one one colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature token with toxic one. And this creature can't block. It's got an equip cost of two and a white. Worth noting, this is a regular equipment. It's not one of the four Mirrodin ones, right? Oh this my god, could you imagine? That would be insane. Yeah, <laughs> this is on the uh, the Phyrexian side of things. So the idea here is you're just sending, 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 right? You're going to keep making a 1-1 and you can keep equipping this. And your opponent's like, yeah, I got to deal with that. Yeah, I got to deal with that. So you can kind of attack with impunity here. Now, it's a three mana investment every turn to do that. So that is you know a little bit of a knock, but I, I could see this card being kind of obnoxious. It's so clunky. Don't I don't love that card. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that uh, the clunk factor probably overrides any of the, ooh, look how annoying this card is, parts of the card that I like. But uh, I, I think that in a deck with a lot of tokens where you're just like happy to keep equipping this, I can see this just running away with the game too. So I don't know. This might be one that falls on the wrong side of the fence, but uh, I am, I'm optimistic for this one, I think. We've also got... Uh, sort of an equipment payoff here in <laughs> Oxida Finisher. I say payoff with a question mark. Uh, this is five red red for a seven five affinity for equipment. And it's got trample. Yeah. So the dream here is you go two drop four mirrored in equipment and then three or four drop four mirrored in equipment. And then you cast this on five. And that's good. It's it's a giant thing. If your opponent doesn't have an answer to it, they're going to take a lot of damage, but that's kind of that's a dream. not turn. good. This yeah, I, I don't think so. I wish it had haste. Yes. Like, that, I, and I, then I, I think it would be a real card, but as is, I'm not jazzed about it. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I think just like, even if this does, co- like, even if this costs four mana, like, so you get the perfect curve of like one, two, three. I mean, it would be pretty good then, but it's just going to be in such a small percentage of games that that does happen, and if you ever have to cast this for five plus mana or more, gosh, if you have to cast this for six, you're just not going to be that happy about it. So, yeah, I, I'm fairly out on it. All right. That takes us on to our favorite segment that we like to play on these preview shows, which is great or garbage. And I know you've probably listened to this, Alex, but I'm going to lay the rules out anyway. <laughs> so the rules are has to be great or it has to be garbage. There's no in between. <laughs> you can't can't hedge your best at all. So first up, we've got Sawblade Scamp. This is red for a 1-1 Phyrexian Beast with haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it. You can tap it, remove an oil counter from it to deal one damage to each opponent. Great or garbage, Alex? Oh, this is an easy great for me. I'm calling easy great on this one. So easy you got, great. Easy great. Yeah, you got your one mana, one one haste. What's not to love? And 
you know, it, then we'll get in once or twice, potentially, but this is just persistent damage, right, as the game goes on, and one damage, that adds up. Uh, again, your your red creature decks are probably going to not mind smaller creatures because there are equipment running around, so either you buff this up somehow with an equipment, or it just sits there and starts pinging your opponent. Well, and so this essentially reads whenever you proliferate deal a damage to the opponent later in the game, right? Yes, that's a really good way of putting it. And you might not want to burn that last oil counter, right? You might want to be like, well, I got some proliferate cards in my deck. Keep that around. And that's that's all. Especially if you can get multiples. Like, this could be one of those cards where your opponent plays three of them and you're like, crap, like, what what do I ever do here? <laughs> like, I'm just oh, going to die. It's, not, it's not even proliferate, right? Then you'll get multiple oil counters. Yeah. Is this card just insane? I think it's very good. Yeah. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm underestimating how quickly you can run out of oil on this card. And maybe the gas just doesn't flow and it just sits around being a one one. But I think with any reasonable draw, this is just going to keep pinging your opponent. And especially in the right deck, like, you know, a blue red deck that often is going to trigger this. I don't think you're going to run out of oil by the time you want to kill your opponent. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sticking on my grates. I don't know if you are coming to that side, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about it a little more. So I saw some discussion of this in the Lords of Limited Discord, and I was, I think, didn't read very closely and was kind of down on it as a result. But now that I'm thinking about it a little more, I mean, this is close to like the Thermal Alchemist type cards, except it doesn't untap itself, right, when you cast the non-creature spells. But we've seen cards like this before that when you cast an instant or sorcery, you can ping your opponent and then it untaps so you can reset and do it again. I mean, you can't do a burst in a turn like that, mm-hmm. but you're going to get sustained pings from this if you build your deck right and presumably you could end up with you know four or five copies of this i don't know i'm gonna go great rather than garbage but i i could see uh, like a build around type great for sure and here's another thing to consider too this is just a one mana thing that gets the oil going right it gets it it counts for things that care about hey how many oil creatures do you have and i think that's going to be another big part of this too right for sure for the like potentially the four two flame tongue kabu thing yep exactly all right, next up is Expand the Sphere. This is three and a green sorcery. Look at the top six of your library. Put up to two land cards from among them on the battlefield tapped and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If you put fewer than two lands onto the battlefield this way, proliferate a number of times equal to the difference. Well, Ben, greater garbage in this one. I mean, I have to say garbage. <laughs> yeah. But there's just some part of me that is <laughs> attracted to this card. Not necessarily for the two lands. Like, that's pretty slow ramp mm-hmm. but i could this is kind of lava axe esque <laughs> like in a in a black green deck i mean it's a lava axe adjacent yeah lava, lava axe has been called green lava axe i think that so you're basically saying you're you'd be happy paying four mana for proliferate twice yeah i think that is the more common mode of this card than getting lands yes Right. And worth noting, it might be a little bit tough to parse this as we read it, but you can just choose not to put the lands in the battlefield. Like if you just want to proliferate twice, you can do that. You just say, hey, I didn't see any lands here, even if there were lands in the top six. Uh, I mean, I- I'm going garbage, but uh, yeah. with, a, with a note <laughs> that I'm moderately attracted to the card. Gotcha. We will note that uh, when we when we draft the cards, we'll say, hey, Ben likes this card. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not let's not go so far as like <laughs> we're, we're texting. Next up, we got Feed the Infection. So this is three and a black for a sorcery at uncommon. You draw three cards and you lose three life, but corrupted, each opponent who has three or more poison counters also loses three life. Great or garbage? I'm going garbage, I think. This is just 
too much life loss. Like maybe in a blue black control deck, if you got that, you know, the Lord that's draining when you proliferate to offset some life loss, mm-hmm. I guess it's dependent on how much life you can gain. But just sticking this in a random black deck, not appealing to me. Yeah, last time we had Infect, there was this thing going on where it's, you could kind of like pay life at will because you're like, hey, my opponent's trying to kill me with Infect. Like, I don't really care what my life total is. That's not the case going on here. And do you even really care that much about the Corrupted bonus? Like, you're basically, this is just, you draw three cards and you lose three life, which is, you know, a card that we've seen in various forms before and I don't think has been particularly good. So I, I think this is also kind of garbage, even though three cards, yeah, it's a lot, but three life is also a ton too. All right, Gleeful Demolition, red for a sorcery, destroy target artifact. If you controlled that artifact, create three 1-1 Phyrexian red goblin creature tokens. Uh, unsurprisingly, Ben, I, I'm going to give this a great. I think this card's really good. Oof, a great. I am going garbage here. What do you think is great about this card? So it's a split card, kill your opponent's thing, or make three goblins when you kill your little token that you don't care about, or maybe even a thing that uh, you want to go to the graveyard, you want to die. Uh, this is very similar. Actually, I think it's a strict upgrade on. Uh, it was a card from uh, from original Mirrodin, or maybe it was uh, Scars of Mirrodin. I can't even remember the card name right now. But it's basically you sacrifice an artifact, you make three goblins, and this having that modality of just being a removal spell too. I don't know. I think that's pretty good. Now you're gonna have to have the right setup, right? You're gonna have to have the artifacts or trinkety things you want to kill. But I don't know. I I think that as long as I'm happy with destroy target artifact, which I imagine is going to be fine, I'm also pretty happy with sacrifice an artifact make three goblins for one mana Mm, yeah i guess i I, certainly i could see this in black red too depending on what the support for that deck looks like you know if you're supposedly sacrificing things for value you don't mind blowing things up for value as well i just haven't seen tons of artifacts floating around yet i mean sure it's all, all upside i don't know i mean this is closer to playable than not i think I, once again, this little birdie just flew through my window. And uh, without talking about too many cards that haven't officially been spoiler, what if I said that Prophetic Prison was in the set, Ben? Would you be a little bit more excited about this card? I'd be way more excited about this card, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's going to be some stuff for Black Ride. And once again, I, I literally actually have not seen the whole set. I haven't gone through a deep dive. But I imagine that with Black Ride being that sacrifice archetype, there's going to be some stuff planted in there to make this card pretty good. Okay, I'm in. Gleeful Demolition, great. All right, next up, we've got Near Convert. So this is two mana, two generic mana for a 2-1 uncommon. We've got Toxic 1 and Tap, pay two life, add one mana of any color. Yeah, it's kind of a cool card. It's very split. I mean, you're only adding the mana in case of emergency or in case of great things being added to the battlefield, but the Hmm. effect is better than not. I think all told, this card looks like a drawback like paying two life to add the mana but that's just strict upside i think this card is great it's colorless i think you're going to be picking this highly and putting it in almost every deck yeah i, I think that just on turn two and then on turn you go on tap on turn three and you play your four drop like we often don't get mana accelerants like that that are also just like a creature that you can attack and block with after so yeah just colorless is also big too like you said and i don't know i, I think this card's really good I, I would go great on this one great for me as well Next up, we've got Necrogen Communion. This is one in a black for an aura. Enchant creature you control. Enchanted creature has Toxic 2. When Enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control. I was about to start off by going, ah, I'm not sure about this one, but I remember the rules. It's greater garbage, and I'm just going to go garbage on this one. I think that <laughs> so it's like a weird plus 
Yeah, plus four, I guess you want to look at that. Plus four attack aura. And I, my concern with this card, and this happens a lot with, oh, you know, you imagine, hey, I've got this insurance policy of, of if they deal with this, I get my creature back. But there's so many ways your opponent can deal with this that isn't actually killing it, right? We already saw two enchantment-based removal spells. Maybe there's going to be a bounce spell. Maybe there's exile. So really, you're just taking on the full risk of an aura for the most part. And I don't think you're getting paid out enough for this card. I don't know, man. This is going to turn on. Like, if you connect with it, Mm -hmm. it's going to turn on Corrupted almost every time. I could see this being one of those cards where if you've got, like, the right setup where you do have enough evasive toxic creatures early that you're just like wow like that that is a real real clock i think just as a general card where you're going to take it in the draft it's probably not going to be that high of a pick right i agree it's not going to be that high of a pick but would you play this card if it was one in a black turn on corrupted hmm well that's a good question ben uh do i have to give you a definitive answer on this is that the whole vibe or can i could i say let's see i'm not, not sure or do i have to give I you no i just i'm curious <laughs> that's my question to you because I think it's closer to that than not. Right. And I think that if that's the case and your deck has, I don't know, three, maybe three is a little bit low, but five, four, six things you really care about, good corrupted payoffs. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit better. But then again, maybe you're just like, if your deck is well constructed, you, you probably don't have to go all in. You're like, my creature is just going to deal you poison anyways, right? I'm probably going to get there naturally. So you don't have to put this kind of riskier card in your deck. So I don't know. I, I think I even framing it that way, I'm still a little bit out on it, but I again, I, I could see this being good in in the right deck, so we'll have to see. All right, also going garbage, but I just wanted to pose the question. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Next up, Noxious Assault, three GG for a sorcery. Creatures you control get plus two plus two until end of turn, and whenever a creature blocks this turn, its controller gets a poison counter. This is an uncommon. This is a weird card. So it's it's got that kind of split layer, right? dealing you poison and dealing you damage. So you know the the callback is overrun, which was. Five mana, plus three, plus three, and trample. And over the past, you know, 15 years, we've seen a bunch of variants that happen to be plus two, plus two generally. And that's a big gap, right? Plus two and plus three. When your opponent casts a plus three pump spell to the whole team, you're pretty dead. Plus two, there's a bit more wiggle room there where they have to either be going wide or you have to be at a pretty low life total anyways. So I don't even know how much I want to consider the poison aspect of this, but maybe I should be considering it more. I just feel like that's not part of the equation as much when evaluating this card and you're really just considering hey does your deck want a plus two plus two to the whole team and again if you've got enough mites enough tokens maybe that's just good enough yeah i mean this looks like a green white card to me based on what we know so far and i i'm leaning towards it's going to be great in green white okay yeah i i'm hesitant about these cards but uh you know i'm always i'm always looking for one of them to prove me wrong certainly <laughs> Next up, we got Swooping Lookout. So this is a single white mana for a 1-2 at Uncommon. Ooh, I love this card. It's just a 1 mana, 1-2 flying Vigilance creature. I mean, come on. Swooping Lookout into Necrogen Communion? Yeah, that is pretty doing good. doing it. <laughs> that is pretty strong. So this this is kind of funny. We're just coming off the land of, again, call time, Battlefield Raptor, which is 1 mana, 1-2 flying first strike. Uh, the Vigilance in this card kind of says to me, it's looking to be buffed, right? Because you wouldn't put Vigilance in just the one, two. So the idea here is it's going to get bigger somehow and probably through equipment, I would assume, with the, the four mirrored. And maybe this, it's kind of a Phyrexian creature in disguise that might just be better in the equipment deck, I would imagine. Yeah, that's certainly where I'm looking at it as well. I'm going to land on great on this card. Yeah, me too. I mean, Battlefield Raptor, the reason it was good is because there's a bunch of good equipment and you can uh, equip it up and for pretty cheap and get in with your 
evasive creature early and even more damage later. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go great on this one too. I'm gonna, like with the caveat of probably not a super high draft pick, right? You want to be in that deck, and then ideally you will get the swooping lookouts passed to you because not a ton of people are gonna be able to use this card. Yeah, I would imagine too. It's not like uh, every single white deck even will probably want this card. So yeah, it's going to be a card that in the deck that wants it really, really good. And it might turn out that it's just good enough in more in, in enough places. Battlefield Raptor by the end of the format turned into, yeah, you're happy to first pick this some of that at a time. But I, I would also bet that in the set, it's probably going to be toned down a little bit. All right, last card here. We've got Tamio's Immobilizer. This is three and a blue for an artifact, Uncommon. ETBs with four oil counters on it, and you can tap it, remove an oil counter from it to tap target artifact or creature. Yeah, so call back to Tumble Magnet, right? From original, uh, or not original, but Scars of Mirrodin. And Tumble Magnet was one cheaper, it was colorless, and had three counters. And, you know, there was ways to recharge it too, as, as you'll see in this set with Proliferate. And that's a pretty strong, aggressive card, just being able to go like, it's almost like Icy Manipulator in a lot of ways, right? Where it's just like, okay, well, if you've got enough oil on this, then it taps down, taps down, taps down. Good aggressively, can be good defensively, but you have to worry about running out of counters eventually unless you have ways to refill it. So I don't know. I think this card reads pretty well to me. Again, it's just like another thing that your proliferate cards make a little bit better. It's another thing that cares about oil. It's got a lot of little crossovers and four is a lot, right? That's a lot of turns, even if you aren't ever getting more oil counters on this. That's what I think. I think four is a lot of turns. I'm going great on this card, but again, like a, a subtle great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Ben, Ben, you're breaking your own rule I there. Know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to go great on this one. A firm great. <laughs> a firm great. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. This was a blast. Check out all these preview cards. Uh, any overarching one thoughts before we go after, after checking all this stuff out? Yeah, I think that uh, my just kind of initial thoughts they are kind of been bolstered and reinforced that there's a lot of crossover synergies. There's a lot of words on these cards that care about other words, but maybe to, uh, you know, I was kind of implying that there's a lot of just words in general on these cards. They're actually not too wordy. I think once you kind of understand the mechanics, you kind of get to the point you're like, okay, there's a lot of words, but a lot of those are taken up by, Oh, corrupted explaining what corrupted does. So I think you've got the nice mix of complex, uh, from a decision standpoint of how you want to build your decks and draft it, but not actually like just a bunch of like random words that are hard to parse. So yeah, I'm excited for this set. It looks pretty cool. It's exactly what us drafters like where there's a lot of different things, a lot of different avenues you can take in the draft. And uh, yeah, it comes out, what, two weeks from now? Is that is that the uh, the projection for when we're going to be able to play this on uh, Arena? That is true. And I'm actually going to be able to pre-release for the first time Ooh. ever as well, which is nice. So I'm looking That's forward awesome. to going to the LGS to the pre-release. Yeah, you will. You will enjoy it, Ben. I can I can confirm or I can promise you will enjoy playing Paper Magic for when's the last time you got to play Paper Magic that wasn't with just, you know, your brothers or uh, just at a kitchen table situation. Uh, Streets of New Capenna. My brothers and I went to our, our LGS for the pre-release. I remember that. Cool. Yeah. And and yeah, I think that uh, it's also really cool that they did push it back. So we're seeing more of that. Yeah, you're going to get a little bit of pre-release experience in paper before it comes on Marina. So that is uh, something for people to look forward to. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Where can uh, people find you, Alex, if they are interested in more of your content? Oh, it's a great question. So like you mentioned, uh, I do write for Channel Fireball slash TCG player along with you and uh, Ethan over there. But of course, if you want to check me out on my stream, I am chord underscore O underscore calls chord with a, a CH like a musical chord. And uh, you could also find me on my podcast, Limited Level Ups. So I do a lot of similar stuff that uh, Ben and Ethan do co cover format stuff. But 
I am also more focused on just big picture level ups. You know, Ben and Ethan will do a level up episode, maybe, you know, twice a set or so. And often mine are like 50-50 split, talking about the new set, talking about generic, how to get better limited things. So check me out there. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Ben. This was a blast. Yeah, can confirm if you're not already listening to limited level ups and you enjoy our show, you should definitely check out Alex's podcast as well. Uh, Thank you to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Uh, If you're interested in getting in touch with Ethan or I, you can shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. If you want to support us via Patreon or do anything related to Lords of Limited, you can check out our website, lordsoflimited.com. If you want to find me or Ethan anywhere streaming, I have been not streaming hardly at all in January, but I will be streaming up a storm when uh, one comes out. I'm twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. Metronome is spelled out all the way. No M-R, M-I-S-T-E-R. <laughs> and Ethan is at Lord Tupperware. And I don't know what his streaming situation is going to be when he returns from fraternity leave, uh, how often he's going to be doing that with his newborn son. But uh, that's where you can find us and all of our content. Thank you again to Alex. And we'll catch you all next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. And one more thing I just wanted to mention, because I know there's going to be a lot of people asking. Me and Ethan are not going to be able to do our patented Alex slash Ethan set review because Ethan is going to be on paternity leave. And not sure exactly what's going on there if you want to catch some set review action, but I'll probably be doing something small in that space. So apologies for those uh, that were looking forward to it. We're going to see maybe in the future if we can uh, once again start that up. Sounds good. All right. Catch you later, everybody.